0: Hello and welcome to 2022 and the latest episode of OME Talks. I'm your host David Petro, and this month in our quest to feature past speakers from last year's OME conference, we are talking to Heather Tysmeier and Richard Duffy. They're going to be giving us a preview of their upcoming webinar, Integers Beyond the Rules. So let's get right into it. All right. Hello and welcome to the OIME Talks podcast. Today I'm talking with Heather Teissmeyer and Richard Duffy. Heather and Richard, how are you doing today?
1: i doing really well, thank you.
0: Excellent. Thank you. Uh, good to hear. Uh, I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about yourselves and what your connection to mathematics is.
1: Sure. I am the program coordinator for 7-12 to 12 Mathematics with the Rainbow District School Board. My background in math comes from my undergraduate and graduate degrees, uh, which I went through for astrophysics at the University of Toronto and the University of Western Ontario, which I guess now is Western University. I still have to get used to that. Um, All throughout high school I really enjoyed physics and math, uh, particularly because I saw physics as uh, a way to apply the math that I was learning. And then astrophysics just took it one step farther. It was, it was an application of the physics, uh, which was an application of the math. So I really enjoyed exploring those avenues. And that led me to a teaching degree in both physics and mathematics.
2: I, uh, I'm a literacy and numeracy coordinator or consultant with Rainbow District School Board. I primarily support grade seven and eight teachers However, I do work with, uh, with some, some primary and junior teachers as well, and I'm fortunate enough to work with Heather and some, some high school teachers as well. I do not have a background, a post-secondary background in mathematics. When I started teaching over 20 years ago, the world, or at least the school I was in, uh, was very focused on, on reading. And so almost all of our professional learning was, was uh, tailored to how to make students better readers. And you know, a few years into the profession I I started to notice that there were, you know, significant gaps in mathematics um, in in my learners. And we didn't have a kind of professional learning at the time to, to to address those gaps. And so I approached my administrator about that, who kindly replied that, you know, reading was incredibly important and we weren't we were gonna stay the course. So, I started to branch out on my own and look at how I could improve my own professional learning and that got involved with some ministry writing projects was part of the the tips team back in in two thousand and and four and five and things just continued from there for me
0: you know I think it it's interesting. There are many of us who are in the, the math teaching profession that came from a math or science background you know myself i'm also a physics graduate and so i had math and uh, i think it's somehow more authentic for someone to have you know, especially in teaching to come by their their math interests you know on the job you know as a uh, you know a a seeing a need and and taking care of that need as they're as they're working so i think that's that's really really great that uh, you've been able to do all that.
2: It, it was certainly an authentic, uh, an authentic experience that brought me to to you know my math journey for sure.
0: Now this is the OME Talks podcast, and so I always ask my guests uh, how they either heard of or first got involved with OME, and I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that.
1: I guess I'm a little bit of a late addition to uh, to OME. I've been teaching for about 20 years now, or or in a teaching related. Uh, position for about 20 years now. And I didn't get involved with OME until maybe about 2014 or 2015 as part of um, some TLLP grants that I was engaged in. Um, Before that, I did a lot of work with the Science Teachers Association of Ontario with STEO. So I was familiar with provincial level associations, subject associations. But it wasn't really until I transitioned into my board role as a program coordinator of mathematics that I really um, became more engaged with the mathem- mathematical associations in Ontario, but since then I've become the Northern Ontario representative to the OAME board, and I sit on a couple of committees as well. So, so I'm fully engaged.
2: And my experience with OAME started back probably when my math journey started uh, in the probably the mid 2000s. I became an OAME member, attended you know many sessions to. To, uh, for my own professional learning I didn't uh, didn't start presenting until I started in my current role uh, about five or six years ago since then i've I've been a co-presenter with Heather on a few uh, for a few Oame sessions
0: the, the the idea of not being involved with OME right from the get-go is is I, I say it a lot here on the podcast that that was my own experience as well I was just teaching in my own little bubble and uh, I I'm so glad that I I became part of this community it's really really helped my teaching and and my and made me grow as a, as a teacher okay so we have you here to give us a little bit of a preview of your upcoming Webinar, Integers Beyond the Rules. This is a repeat of your OME 2021 virtual session. I'm wondering if you guys can give us a little bit of uh, a an idea of what you'll be talking about uh, when the webinar comes up.
1: Sure. The, the whole idea behind our, our presentation came from something we were noticing in terms of how students were approaching integers and how teachers were approaching the teaching of integers through intermediate, and we realized in in talking, as Richard said, um, because we work with with our primary colleagues as well, in talking with our primary colleagues that as young learners, we really spend a long time developing a sense of number overall um, in terms of learning how to count, learning uh, subitizing, learning basically the basis of the number system before we even get to more formal operations. But then whenever in mathematics we seem to get to a new number system, like integers, the foundation doesn't get laid for nearly so long a time. Um, Until the recent curriculum change, it was actually quite quick with all the learning coming in grade seven. And we felt like a lot of times, perhaps in the interest of time, uh, teachers and students were jumping almost right to the rules. For integers without having that solid foundation. So what we're looking at in our presentation is how we can go back to a lot of the theory that we that we understand and that we know well for how students learn sense of number and apply that to integers. So how can we get students thinking about counting, just going back to to, to basic counting with integers, um, to subitizing with integers? What does mental math with integers look like? Uh, How do we best represent our thinking with respect to integers and then how do we use that to as we say in the in the title move beyond the rules so it's not just uh, a positive times a positive gives you a positive but how do we then get them to make sense of, of the math that they're doing in this new number system
2: so if we think about you know prior to the revision of the curriculum in 2020 New concepts were introduced in grade seven that, that included operations with at least addition and subtraction of fractions and integers as well. The difference between the two was that in fractions uh there was still significant groundwork being laid for fractions throughout the junior grades. So there was reading, representing, comparing, ordering. We didn't actually think about the concept of counting until we became a little more familiar with. With Kathy Bruce and and Tara Flynn and Shelley Yearly's work around the fraction learning pathways, uh, we were fortunate enough to attend a session that they uh, where they emphasized the uh, the importance of of counting and and counting by unit fractions in establishing a sense of magnitude and quantity, but also how that you know uh, supports addition and subtraction. It was something that didn't come on our radar until that point, but but the reality was that. That, you know, p- prior to the curriculum revision back in 2005, there was a bit of groundwork laid for integers in grade six. If you look back to grade six EQAO tests prior to prior to that date, um, you, you'll see integer questions uh, and not, not operations with integers, but you'll see integer questions that that, you know, have kids looking at number lines and and, you know, temperatures and things and comparing and ordering and representing but but that was that changed in 2005 all that was pushed into 2007 along with the operations a- and you, we see now in 2020 that that's kind of backed up a little bit and now we're starting to lay a little bit more foundation in in grade 6 but we thought that the, there were key uh foundational pieces that were missing right and and so when when things just become about procedures in math you know then things get really scrambled for kids we see kids spouting out You know, fragments of rules or procedures at inappropriate times just because they don't understand, right? So, so we were, we, it forced us to go back and look at, at how kids learn number, but also the, the groundwork that, that is laid before the number system changes a little bit with fractions. And, and we were wondering why that didn't, same kind of groundwork um, wasn't laid for integers.
0: So, when you're talking about moving beyond, for these, I guess, teachers and students, where do you start with that?
1: While it might be a new way of of thinking or of of approaching the teaching and learning of integers, we definitely didn't want to suggest major overhauls to what teachers were doing because really a lot of the best practices that they were already engaged in, the mental math in, in some areas representing student thinking visually, we wanted to extend those through. So a lot of the activities that we present are short activities that can be done during a mental math block, or as standalone activities um, at any point in time, really throughout uh, a learning progression or throughout a class even, um, that really gets students thinking about, uh, as we say, that, that sense of integer and the, the sense of number in order to, to be more comfortable with that number system before actually starting operations
2: yeah our, our our students come with a with a remarkable flexibility i think and you know some some really interesting understandings uh of number that are are developed you know through through grades well really through kindergarten up to grade 6 and, and so you know in in our work around integers we began to think about you know all that flexibility and all those fundamental you know quantity skills that that kids were were learning that supported their work with operations what what are some of those pieces that we might be able to leverage and transfer to lay some groundwork for for the study of for the introduction of integers
0: so i know that you know when i in my own role as a consultant and was starting to to show teachers how they could again, move beyond the rules with integers, it, there, was, there was almost an uphill battle because they, I think they often saw oh that integer part, part of their curriculum as, oh, this is the easy part. I can just show them these X number of rules and we do a bunch of questions and we're done. So what's something like maybe a more traditional teacher might do to start to change their, um, their view of that?
1: One of the things I found in working with secondary teachers, and and from my background, I absolutely fell into this category as well, is we come into teaching, say grade nine or grade 10, without really having learned how students learn math to begin with. It was very eye opening for me when I came into this role and really started digging into grade eight and grade seven and grade six curriculum to say, oh, that's when students learn that. And oh, that's that's how they learn that. And I would never have made those connections. Because, as you say, like sometimes we just jump in and oh, this is this is in the the first unit of the curriculum and poof, off we go. So for me, a lot of the work has been around working with teachers to develop our understanding ourselves of how students learn mathematics, but also how, how they start learning integers in in now grade six, grade six, grade seven, and formalizing it in, in grade eight. It's been very eye-opening for those teachers as well to, to see a lot of the representations, to see what, what subtraction by constant difference looks like, uh, to see a lot of, uh, like as an example, those, those mental math strategies that students are now coming into grade nine being quite comfortable with, um, and we have no familiarity with them at all so for me really working with the teachers to to understand as as Richard mentioned that flexibility that students are coming in with and then building on that to help them master the work in the integers that they're doing
2: yeah one of the uh, w- one of the early conversations that I have with with you know many teachers around integers is, is the trajectory right so the pathway and and if we're thinking back prior to 2020 the idea that addition and subtraction of integers like addition and subtraction of fractions comes in grade seven but then the multiplication and division typically come in grade eight and and most intermediate teachers that i've i've worked with couldn't understand why right they they because procedurally multiplying and dividing for both fractions and integers is easier than adding and subtracting, right? The problem is conceptually that that conceptually the multiplying and dividing is much more difficult, right? And so that opens up some dialogue for teachers, and I think it begins to challenge some of those misconceptions that they might have around uh, integers just being a rule-based course of study, right?
0: Yeah, I think I think you're right. This this the idea I think. When you get to a negative times a negative to conceptually understand, you know, what that means when we're talking about, you know, multiplication, when we're just talking about three groups of seven, when you're doing three times seven, how, what does that mean when you're doing, ne- when do you say negative three groups of negative seven? And if you say that, why do you say that? And what does it, does that mean? I think you're right. That's really big step for teachers to to understand and a big hurdle for students. I think a lot of of times teachers may just fall back on, well, you just, it just becomes positive. And and we we have to really, we have to really, really move away from that.
2: Well, yeah. and, And unfortunately, I mean, I've worked with many, many students who, who end up, you know, with that idea that if the signs are the same, the answer is positive, and the signs are if the signs are different, the answer is negative. And, and they actually apply that, and that's what I meant about those fragments, right, that kids in, apply in, appropriate, in inappropriate situations. That sometimes that transfers into adding and subtracting, right? So they see the signs are different. They think the an answer has to be negative because they don't really have a ton of understanding. They've just memorized a rule, and unfortunately they've memorized the rule and applied it at an, in an incorrect context.
0: So now I don't want to I don't want to give away your entire talk. Uh, I, I say that every time uh, we do these interviews. But I I'd li- I'd love for you guys to give just sort of one teaser of your favorite integer uh, into your favorite integer teaching strategy. Let's do that. Just a hint at that at, at something we'll hear uh, in the talk.
1: I, th- I think I'm going to go back to to constant difference and being able to see being able to, to see subtraction in that way and and starting starting with a positive, subtracting a positive, like like an absolutely quote unquote normal <laughs> subtraction question. and then kind of tracking that through constant difference, tracking it down the number line. So then it starts pushing into some negative values. And what you end up doing is when when you end up seeing it on the number line like this, you actually see the rule pop right out at you. So when you get to something, subtract a negative amount, and then you get an amount that's actually bigger than the amount you started with, that rule is it's very, um, it's very much a light bulb moment for, for teachers to see that. And I remember for me seeing that for the first time as well. And, and students can follow that logic very, very nicely uh, and, and uh, almost come up with the rules themselves. I would say that's my favorite.
2: I'm I'm going to piggyback off that. I mean, I I, I think mental math. Um, I'm kind of a mental math junkie um, because I think that it, uh, it it provides an opportunity to build conceptual understanding through focused, accountable talk, through um, very you know intentional questioning, and through through annotation that helps kids see why things work the way they do. And what that mental math looks like in it could be a you know a focused strategy like the one Heather just talked about it could be you know subitizing using dot cards where you are representing integers you know using two different colors and seeing if students can can you know develop that understanding of zero principle instead of just kind of being told the the you you know Heather mentions constant difference for me one of the Subtraction, in terms of procedure, right? Subtraction of integers is probably the hardest. Most teachers kind of teach it in the you know add the opposite way, right? So just flip the sign of the second integer and add it, and you know, Bob's your uncle, it'll be life will be good. But you know, conceptually, subtraction is probably the hardest. So, or sorry, not conceptually, procedurally, subtraction is probably the uh, the hardest. But but the whole idea of adding up you know, as a strategy, right, which is a strategy that kids come, you know, from junior with, right, adding up to subtract, so starting at the second integer and adding up, and, you know, until grade seven, or, you know, maybe now grade six, those were always positives, right, but, but the same kind of principle applies, right, and so when teachers see that, first of all, some teachers think it's a trick, right, it's, it's something, you know, it's like a new math trick, to quote, some of the things that were said in the media prior to the to the curriculum revision, but but the the reality is that that strategy's been around forever, right? I mean, cashiers 30, 40 years ago were using that that idea that you know I I, I spend. $7.75 at a store, I pay with a $20 bill. So, you know, back before the days when cash cash registers would, you know, spit the change at you, they would, you know, give you a quarter and that would be eight. And then they would give you a toonie or back in the day, I guess it was a $2 bill and that would get you to 10. And then they'd give you a $10 bill and that would be your change. Right. I mean, that's adding up to subtract. So things like that, 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 you know, help reinforce the the concept of subtraction and in this case subtraction is difference and the annotation that that is possible uh, during mental math um, I think reinforces understanding of subtraction in a way that you know add the opposite doesn't.
0: Okay. So that's given our listeners something to think about while we wait for the next couple of weeks uh, when you do your webinar. And so I want to thank you two for talking to me today. And we will talk to you in a couple of weeks when you do your webinar. Thank you, David. Thank you so much. That was Heather Teissmeyer and Richard Duffy giving us a preview of their January 12th webinar. Only members can register at our MCIS website. The link can be found in the podcast description. Next month, we'll be talking with Ruthie Sloan, where she will be previewing her webinar, Building and Assessing Spatial Reasoning Through Play. So stay tuned for that, and in the meantime, stay safe.